Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. We all are just so very grateful, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us. The blood that Jesus shed for us way back on Calvary, suffering the pain, the shame, and even the people mocking you there at the cross, and you suffered and died, and you bore our sin in your own body on the cross, that so through the stripes of Jesus, we may be healed even this day. The blood and the power of the blood goes on through all eternity, forever and ever. There is the everlasting covenant that has connected us to you. We are your people. We belong to you. We honor you. And let's give the Lord a praise offering. Give Him a praise offering in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forever and ever. Amen. Thank you very much. You may take your seats, everybody. And uh, there are so many things about the cross this time of the year. Uh, when we build up to this coming Good Friday. And this, of course, is the time of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the one service that in my personal life, I don't want to miss ever. Whether I'm here or sitting in China, it does not matter, or you know why for that matter, it does not matter. I will find a church. I will be in church. How many of you feel exactly the same way? Because of Jesus. This is the day that he paid for you and I. Takes us back some 2,000, a little bit over 2,000 years in time when he died on the cross. He suffered and he died. You know what I think is that there must have been a time that he felt very lonely when he said, my God, my God. Like I said, it's actually also in Psalm 22 where it says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he also makes the statement and he says, but you, O God, you, O Lord God, are enthroned amidst the praises of your people. Literally, God takes the throne. His throne is in the midst, as the Bible literally says, you are enthroned in the midst of the praises of your people. So when we praise God like tonight, we sing about the blood. It's the most sacred thing. It's the, most, it's the most intensely holy of holy of holiest things that we can do in the practice of our life with Christ and in God. We want to do that. We want to do it all the time. In fact, this morning I was, uh, you know, just talking to, to the people about the cross and, uh, you know, just like there was a song and I began to sing the song there. Now, I'm not a singer like, I mean, I don't sing like Marley Kelly and all those people that sing so that, how many of you know Sonelli sang well tonight? But you know, if I give it a shot, it goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Let's stand for a moment. Follow Jesus. No turning back. Praise the Lord, no turning back. Now listen. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. 
the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. Praise the Lord. No turning back. Give the Lord a praise of me. Hallelujah. And I was saying, you know, like there's just a moment when you get to the foot of the cross, when you face the cross, there's some serious moments in our lives. And you know, here we have another cross here at the back on the, on the screen. But there's some serious moments. I think of the times went to Israel. I've been there 32 times, but I'd always go to the place of the garden tomb of Jesus Christ and always go there and there would be groups with me and we would take communion. And then we'd sit, and I'm telling you year after year that we did that. People sit in that garden, the, the garden tomb, the garden of the garden tomb, and you see the tears rolling down the cheeks of the people. Every time they go there, there are just moments when you want to hit the floor, flat on your face, just lie down before God and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't belong in that grave anymore. Your grave, there's the grave, the garden tomb. There's the grave, the door is open. You go inside on the door. There's a notice that, say, that says, he is risen, he's not here anymore. It's just like that. You know, the price has been paid in his body when he went out there and he suffered and died. And he was lonely there. And there's another song, I don't want to sing that song, but I will just give you an idea of it. I don't. I'm not a singer. I'm not a pro in those things. But, uh, you know, it says something like, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Oh, I got you singing tonight. You know, that, that, that song, I heard Johnny Cash. You know, how many of you know Johnny Cash? Sing that song at a Billy Graham crusade. And he says, this song is the most, um, what's that word of the musicians? The most, um, what, what do you, like a sheet, a music sheet, the most scripted song ever in Christianity. He stood there. It was a massive crowd. The entire stadium was full of people. And he got up there with June Carter, his wife, and he just sang that song that uh, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And uh, then in the Afrikaans language, there's another beauty that's called Davasa Hautkreis. Do you know, how many of you know that one too? Well, you are really knowing a lot of things tonight. I'm just getting taught to come and do the preaching here, or maybe Malibu, just straight out there. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll call you up here, and then I'll give you the theme right up there. How's that? Amen. I'll tell you what to preach. Everybody gets nervous when I do that. Okay, praise the Lord. There is a moment that every person, and I won't talk long tonight because I saw something I want to pray for, and there was another thing that this morning happened, and that is that I said, I made a statement, I very clearly see where the world is heading. And I said, I need to get clearance from God before I talk about that. And then this afternoon, I did not get that clearance. And then I, I got permission from the Lord. Literally, David consulted with the Lord. I consult with the Lord. I didn't get the clearance. 
but I nevertheless, in that period of time, just sat there writing on my notebook, just a notebook, just sat there, and I wrote what's going on in the world, and I filled a page that seemed like one minute, point, point, major point, major point, major point, major point, all the time, there it is, so crystal clear, there it is. Before I knew, I filled the page, and I said, Lord, shall I do this, or shall I go ahead and talk about the cross, because this is the time of the Passover, and the word is clear, talk about the cross. Give the Lord a praise offer to everybody. Yes, very clear. And so I, I want to say this to you this morning or this evening, that um, there is a moment. There, you know, it's like the, on a hill far away, there stood an old rugged cross. There is a moment in every life of every believer where you have to choose whether that sacrifice of Calvary was just for you also. And the implication of that is massive, for that will change your whole life. The moment you say, the cross of Jesus was for me also, I receive it, I believe, I declare with my mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ over my life, and I believe in my heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 10, 9 and 10, therefore I shall be saved. And I am saved because I believe in Jesus. And there's a few things that go with this. And that is that you get to a moment that you stand and you're confronted with the cross and you are weeping because you realize, let me say this to you, the misery of past tense sins, like past tense like of your past. And, 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 and you realize, you know, we, we, we put up a front. I mean, there was a man called um, Monticerello. I don't know if he's still alive or he's gone on to be with the Lord, but I think he's gone on to be with the Lord. Monticerello, evangelist. And he used to say in the huge crusades, he used to say, you know what? Everybody wears a mask. And then what he would do is, we saw him out here on the West Rand too. He came out here where we were in the church, still then in a tent. They put two tents together for us. We had about 5,000 people in that tent. And, and, and he used to say, everybody wears a mask. Now, now do this, he said, take off your mask. The mask, and you look at yourself in the mirror, you see the real you. That you and only you know the real you. You know your emotions, your emotions. You know whatever you've done wrong in your life. If you stop and you think about it, you know exactly what it is. And so you say, even go further, then you say, well, you know, I know I did this, that, and the other wrong, and I repent of this. And you turn away from that, and you say, Lord, forgive me of that. And then you say now these words, oh, Holy Spirit of God, will you help me and pinpoint whatever I've done wrong ever? Because I can't even remember. King David said, my sins are more than the hairs on my head just like that. And I think to myself, you know what? That's just like it is with every single person. In word, in deed, in thought, in action, in motive, whatever it is that makes up the man, spirit, soul, and body, you are, all of us, temples of the living God. The Holy Spirit knows it all. And when the Spirit of God comes upon you, then it confronts you. He confronts you with what was wrong. There comes a moment where you stand before the cross. There comes a moment where you realize what your lifestyle is really all about. 
What is the prime driver or drivers of your life? What is it, like we would say in worldly language, what makes you tick? What is it that you polarize towards in the course of any week? What is your actions? What is the motives? What drives you? A preacher, the late Bob Mumford, spoke about that. The motives. What is it that drives you? What is your philosophy of life? You come to a moment. You confront it with a cross. And the cross means death to the old man. So that the life of God can be manifested through you. I closed this morning and I said these words to the second service. I said, you know what? It's like I stand here. Let me close here for a moment. I stand here before the Lord. And I realize I'm at the foot of the cross because we're all equal at the foot of the foot of the cross. I stand and I, I feel with sorrow, the sorrow unto repentance that is needed. And I just, I feel sorry about it and I confess my sins, whatever. And, and, and I just come to a moment where I am saying goodbye to the world. But hello, hello to Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. From now on, a new life begins. From now on, I will need his strength around every quarter. From now on, I will need faith in the word of God. And by the way, it is the word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Little verse out there. Borden and I were, were parents in the AFM church when I was in the AFM Theological College. And uh, the two of us were living out there, out there to the eastern side of Johannesburg. And as house parents in the orphanage there, I ran, remember one day I was sitting, it was in the middle of the day, it was a sunny day, Maud was elsewhere busy, and uh, I was studying, but then I was reading Bible, and I just hit there on a verse. I just got a verse. John 3, verse 34. John 3, verse 34. And I read it. He whom God sent spoke the word, therefore, he spoke the word of God. Therefore, God did not give him the spirit by measure. The word spoke the word. And because he spoke the word, he was the word and obedient to the Father. He had, he had the Holy Spirit without measure. Which in a way, like one man of God, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin used to say, he says, Jesus had the spirit without measure. But here on earth, now that he's brought the Holy Spirit out upon all those who believe, the combined entire body of Christ also now has the Spirit because we're the body of Christ. And having, having ascended to the Father, he has now poured forth this, which you both hear and see. That's the day of Pentecost. And now, with the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, a new life begins. Now, for a moment, just think about that. Just think about that. You die right there because of the cross. You apply the cross to your life. I've been crucified with Christ. I live no more. You know, those who walk with him, who believe in him, have crucified the flesh and the lusts thereof. Now I'm just dead. I have died altogether. All the things, my value system is now a new one. For the first time, the right things are on top and the wrong things are are busy being faded out every day. What is right is right. And I feel so good about it because every change I make to get closer to Jesus, every change I make makes me feel better, makes me feel better. 
all the time. I'm walking, and in my heart, I'm smiling, and I'm happy because I'm doing it better, every day better. And like I said in the period that went by, I said, you know what? We talk about this, they say, spiritual maturity. You know, when is it spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is manifested in your outward behavior. You can see if somebody is a mature Christian. You can quite, quite clearly see that. When a person behaves in accordance with the wisdom and the mind of Christ, fill himself or herself with the word of God and deals with the issues of life in a very mature manner. Now we know what, you know, I, maybe I, I've, I had touch with the previous generation before me. And there were a bunch of old Pentecostals. And uh, I remember them. I remember those ladies there. There were some, some, what we would say, aunties, you know, uncles and aunts, that, uh, man, those, those aunts would pray you straight into heaven. You didn't stand a chance. They would just pray you straight into heaven. You know, I remember there was another woman um, uh, that, that her name escapes me now, uh, that, that's the one that, that, that went out and she prayed the fire of God fell. Just what's that name? Hey? That lady that prayed so much. Um, okay, she went to Rhema at one stage. She was there at Rhema and she was teaching the students on the subject of prayer. Bobby Jean Merck. That's the one. You know Bobby Jean Merck? You know her. And she came and she addressed us in the Bible school. Man, in Italian, she was now giving testimony of just the way they were praying. She said, you know what? Now, they're praying, and one of the ladies there, man, those ladies knew how to pray. They could cut through the night like a hot bread, hot knife through, through, through butter, just like that. Sharp as a blade, right through the butter. And they prayed. There was a man, and the one lady was, um, after the prayer meeting, went home, and she stood there at home. She's in the kitchen busy. She now really prayed up. And uh, she stood in the kitchen, and suddenly, life as it is ceases. What you call ecstasia, that is the Greek where, where you have, you know, I was caught into a trance. The apostle Peter had that in Acts chapter number 10, that he says, I fell into a trance. Paul also said the same words. He uses the same word, ecstasia, which is a temporary cessation of the normal faculties of perception. A temporary cessation. You are completely unaware of time. You don't know about that. I've had that too. You don't know where you are in terms of time. Time is irrelevant, but you're in front of you. You see a thing. There is a man. She sees a man. And the man is walking down the road. And here's the testimony. She says, and he's going straight for a shop. There's one of these adult shops. They really curse those things. And he's going there, and he's on his way into the door. And there's a flame in the door that burns. She immediately realized that this man is going to step over and hell's going to get him. And she started praying right there, stood in the kitchen, stopped dead. Whatever she was doing just didn't exist. She saw the man, she saw him there, and she started praying for him. And she really prayed for him. And he, and he stopped in the door, and he looked around, and this woman's praying because she can see this now. And she's there in the spirit. And, and she turns around. Oh, he turns around. And he walks away from the door. About 20 meters. And he stops. He looks back again. Sees that door of that adult shop. He goes back there. Then she goes into, 
you can say turbo drive now. She's really, now she's praying. Man, I tell you, the demons don't have a chance when you get people like that. She was really praying. And again, he stops. Like he catches what we call a speed wobble. Just catches a speed wobble. And, and she, 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 she thinks it's all over. Then he turns away again. Because no, he doesn't want to go. But not shortly after that, for the third time he went. And then that lady just started binding anything that moves that is of a demon. The forces of hell, she got busy. She worked them over in the spirit. And when she was finished, he turned around, he walked away promptly. Later on, because they knew who he was, he said to his wife, he had a wonderful experience today. He feels that he's a liberated man. And things in his life have really been sorted out. You see, that's, that's just the way it is. There are intercessors of that kind. I remember one time that, um, that I was fasting and praying. And um, I remember that I saw a vision. I told Bart about this. There's a man. And this man is busy committing adultery. And I see this situation. And I see hellfire, literally hellfire. It looks like, if you, like I always say, it's like you stand on the beach. There's not even a beach. You just see a sea but you take the water away, you replace it with flames. And you hear the screams of people, you see them jump up out of the waves, back into that lake of fire. So I see this thing. And, I, and I, this man comes out of those waves and he screams, his skin is red like a tomato, blood, blood red. He is burning and he is, you can see the suffering is great. And, and, and I looked at that and I realized, oh my goodness, I've got to go to him. So I went straight to his house. Now, you know, knock, knock. By the gate, nobody answers. So I walk in. Here you have one of these Irish wolfhounds. Do you know those ones? They got those ugly hair that comes out of their snouts. And they're, about, they're tall and big. And this thing comes onto me and he says, So I said, devil, you're a liar. You're not going to stop me with this thing. I'm going to go straight to the door. I just look away and I walk straight to the door. Knock on the door and he opens the door and I say, why are you committing adultery? Now, have you ever seen a man turn white in his face? I mean, now really white. I mean, he moves into a new blood group right there. His wife comes to the door. I said, this man is having a relationship with his secretary. You talk to your husband. She says, come in, help me. So I got inside. I sternly warned him. That night, not far from here, I walked in there and I said, you better repent straight away. God is watching you for a surety. How many of you believe God watches us all the time? So the cross, when you come to the cross, it's like death. Turn around. When I look now at the world, you know, um, it, 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 it's like the song, I've decided to follow Jesus. And it's like uh, the world loses all its value. It's like the, the cross before me, the world behind me. It's like that can never get me again. You see, if you think about death, just think about the principle of death. If you truly, if you crucified, you really say to yourself, I'm crucified. When you really crucified, that takes a total commitment to God and you die. 
But you're alive, but now you're dead. Now you look at things, things that's in this world. They don't control you anymore. Can't control you. Nothing is there. You see, I, will, I, I always, I used to say, well, you know, I'd be anywhere. I don't care where, in what circumstances. You know, I sat with uh, Pastor Tatu the other day and his wife, and I, and I, and I sat with him and I said, you know, uh, they have, they've got a church right across, across from the Bandela House in Soweto. And I said to him, you know what? The thing is that I always thought, actually I didn't tell him this, so let me be very careful what I say. Uh, I always thought I'd rather be sitting right there on a paraffin but in the presence of God, in the will of God for my life, that I would live in super high luxury and be right out of the will of God for my life. I would rather sit on a paraffin tin. You know what I'm talking about? With a candlestick. That's the only light I've got now. Never mind the whole thing with ESCOM. I sit there with a candlestick and with a Bible and teach whoever wants to listen. And be and know that I know that I know that I know I'm in the will of God for my life. And the presence of God is there. And you pray for those people. And you see God moves upon them. I'd rather do that than what I live in some form of, or just even have a church with air conditioning and soft chairs and all the things. They come with years of labor. But let me tell you something. I want to be in the will of God for my life at any moment in time. Can you say amen? How many of you say yes to that? This is the key. The key is just you've got to pray this thing through. Get yourself to a point. The world loses its value. The world can't get you anymore. The things of the world grow strangely dim, as another song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory, I think, and grace is the words of that song. You know, just the world, world and the things just grow strangely dim. You will sit, and you will watch a movie, you know. Uh, you will sit, and, or you will go, you go wherever you go. But when the cross has come upon you, you sit in a restaurant and you can see what goes. You see all the people that have got like dark clouds above their heads. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's just very terrible. You always want to reach out and say, come to Jesus. You take a day like, like the Good Friday. And when you say, who's going to come with me to church? I'm not going to go alone to church. You get some friends. They need Jesus. Your family needs Jesus. How many of you have family members that they need Jesus? They need Jesus. Children, husbands, wives, they need Jesus. But because you have decided to follow Jesus, the next step that hit me like boom, I was in the church. Now I'm very happy. I'm now dead. I have been crucified with Christ. I feel on top of the world. You know, here I am. Just, just very good. And I look at the front of the church there. That was the AFM church there in Brixton. In an university. It's close to the Johannesburg University. And I'm, I'm sitting there. And there they got a bunch of people coming out in the front. They said, just wait a minute now. The next thing happens now. 
and we're going to baptize. And I thought, these people that come forward, they're all adults. Why are they being baptized? What's wrong with them? They should have had that as babies. Now, this is what goes on in my mind. I'm thinking, that's altogether wrong. Well, they're really late, you know. It's like Johnny come lately. What is this, you know? They should have. Didn't their parents have them christened and sprinkled with water and so on? These people stood there. They were shaken and they were so serious. They walked into the back of the church. I'm watching this thing. March there. She believes in this baptism thing. I'm standing there. I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, no. Here they come out with beautiful cloaks. I thought, well, that's not too bad. You know, that's not too bad. Now they look okay. They got these white cloaks on, white gowns. I think that's okay. They come down the stairs, but I don't see the water. And I look at this. Now they're going to be christened now. I suppose now the pastor is going to take some water from some bowl or something, and he's going to go sprinkle, sprinkle on their foreheads. And the next moment he says, I baptize you in the name of the almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bam! The person comes out of water. I hear water, and I see her comes a lady with wet hair, and the water is just running off her face. And I'm shocked. I thought, what? What's happening here? I've got to get out of this place. I've got to get out of this place. But I feel there's a magnet drawing me back. Got to get out of this place. And there's a magnet. Mort says, I'm going to get baptized. I'm, I, I, I tell you, I, I'm, I believe this all the way. Then one after another, to make it worse, I see a whole dozen of them go through there. And I think, and they get, their, their gowns are now wet. They go up the stairs. Here they go. And everybody's happy and everybody's clapping hands. Can you give the Lord a praise offering, by the way? <laughs> Amen. It's the transition of a human being. Hallelujah. And I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, I'm just going to just quietly disappear before anybody learns to know me. It took them nine months. I would not give up on this battle. I tried every reason under the sun. One day a pastor comes in and he says, okay, now let's do a little bit of a word study. Now I'll argue with anything, but I'll never argue with this book. How many of you like that too? You see it there? It's... And he begins to take the baptism in the New Testament. He goes right through the book of, of uh, Acts. And I look at this and I thought, oh, 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 I'm not in line. I'm not in line. But, you know, I'm full with pride. Yes, thank you very much. It's okay, you know. But I feel, you know, like a rotten peach. You know, I just go, and this thing is bugging me into a new dimension I feel this is just, this is never going to work out for me. I'm going to go back to my old church. And you know, no, no, that's not going to happen to me. And then two lecturers, actually there were three. The one was, uh, had, was busy with his doctorate. He completed Dr. Werner Kreer and Dr. Besaidnot, Doc Bess. You know, he was my lecturer in Greek and Hebrew. And uh, then there was also... Uh, uh, Dr. Hannes Jonker, Dr. Hannes Jonker, and, and uh, the three of them form a circle around me, and they say, they say to me, young man! And I think the sound is like I was in some form of army here. Young man, why are you not baptized? What's wrong with you? Man, and they gave me from every direction, they gave it to me, and there crumbled my old theology. Straight went through the drain, that's it. Next Sunday, I was in the baptismal pool. You see, you have the cross, the impact of the cross, 
the power of the cross, foolishness to those who are on their way to perdition, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God unto our salvation. You have the sacrifice of Jesus. You repent of sin. Now you walk out the other side. And you know what I see? Now I've just read through the New Testament now this year. And I just passed through the book of Acts some time back already. And, and I just noticed that everywhere where people committed their lives to the Lord, the first thing they say, what, 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 what hinders them from being baptized straight away? And they were baptized. They were baptized by the dozens, by the thousands. Those apostles, if they were here tonight, if Paul walked on this platform, or the apostle Peter, he would say something like, how many of you are baptized in this place? Do you believe in Jesus? How many, how many of you do believe in Jesus? Let me see your hands right now. All right, I won't ask you how many of you have been baptized, but how many of you are baptized? Oh, you have. <laughs> how many have been baptized? Give the Lord a praise offering. Raise your hands to the Lord. Amen. Well, you see, the thing is, then everything changes. From there, it's like you press the button, and I am high speed in my Christianity. From there, you know, Jacques, I, you know, I, could, I could, couldn't stop myself. I mean, I was literally going into the Bible and taking the Bible from every angle. And the worst of all, the best actually, not the worst of all, is that I read this book and as I open the pages, I remember them. And it's just like, okay, right. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? And when I read through it, they stick, those verses stick. And I can see them in my mind all the time. And as life begins to grow now, I have to learn and discipline myself to walk according to the Word. What made the difference then? Holy Spirit. He will bring you to remembrance of the things that Jesus said. So you find, if you come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, your spiritual man, listen carefully now, your born-again spiritual man the hidden man of the heart that goes to heaven should you leave your body here on earth or die, in other words. Your spiritual man has a perfect memory. But I say again, one perfect memory. And when you get to a place like, well, like you find that in Luke chapter number uh, 16, verse 19, where you have the rich man and Lazarus, you have that story, and you find that Abraham said to to that, that uh, rich man when he says, Oh, Father Abraham, send now Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water because I'm burning in this flame, the place of torment. There in the bosom of Abraham, the gulf is between them, the bottomless pit. Send him, just get me a little water just because I'm burning, I'm suffering in this flame. And Abraham said these words, just take my one word I say now, from there, son remember. He could remember who Abraham was. He could, he could recognize Lazarus. He had a perfect memory. He could, had a mouth, he had ears, he had eyes. He could see everything though he was completely dead. See? So memory is clearly there. And it, you know, we are, it's like we are like human, if I can put it this way, I don't know quite how to explain this. It's like you're a human recorder. Your spirit knows from day to day your entire history. Be sure about that. When you go to heaven, a friend of mine had a confrontation with death. He actually died. And when he died, 
there was an angel, took him into a place, and I'm cutting that story very short, but took him into a place, showed him a scroll, and said to him, on this wall, every sin, because he'd not yet committed his life to Jesus, every sin you've ever committed, look at them there, there they are. You cannot see the light of the Lamb of God, because you're not worthy. But you will go back, and the Lord will let you know what to do next. So he came back into his body, and uh, they had an operation. The operation was, was uh, in those days, the operation was, now you're a doctor, and there sits another one, but they had some form of operation where the, he was maneuvered on the side of that bed. Something slipped, I don't know, but his name was Jean-Claude Bertoli. He was a Frenchman, and he fell. They, I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, but he fell, and his body, he died on the spot. All the pipes were yanked out of him, whatever was in him, the just... And Jean-Claude Bertoli died. He's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And he said instantly, he was looking down in the theater, he was looking down on the doctors now working and panicking because now they're doing emergency because there was some form of procedural action. I mean, you turn people around on beds and things like that, and they slept. And he says, right there, he says, he was looking down, there's his body. And the next thing, he floats away from his body and he falls through the ground. Next thing, there's an angel that intercepts and says, you come with me first. Shows him a list of every sin that he's ever committed. And he said, I felt as small as ant can't be small. That small. He says, I feel like nothing. He says, and at that moment in time, I'm standing there. That angel says, you've got to go back. He said, this force takes hold of me and lifts me up. And the next moment, he's back in the theater. 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later, he's in the theater and he starts breathing again. Then after this emergency procedure, they, they, they take, him, take him into the ward where he's now to be and there's whatever the procedure. I don't, I don't know these things, but take him in there and he opens his eyes. And as he opens his eyes, lying in the bed now, He's now very, very sore. Opens his eyes, and there the face of the Lord appears to him in that room. Said, you will go back to the nation of France, and you will serve me there. And he did, and the Lord healed him, and he came out of that thing. It's an amazing story. But this is a story of a friend of mine that, uh, that experienced death, which we would call an NDE, but that was a, you know, NDE is a near-death experience. You know, your spiritual man knows these things. Your spiritual man, the first need of the spiritual man is to have a confrontation and a decision whether you believe in Jesus Christ. The second thing is the crucifixion of the old man. You go to the baptismal pool and you, be, you bury that old man. Now you followed the Lord through the baptismal pool. Now you walk into the newness of life. Now you look at everything else. But there is a hunger. I tell you what, there is a hunger. You hear me, Yaku? It's like a hunger that overtakes you. You just want to know the Word of God. Why didn't I read this properly all my life? Suddenly the verses are just logical. Suddenly everything fits into everything. Suddenly I remember all the sequence of the chapters and the things. I, I look at this and I'm thinking, Lord, this is amazing. This is amazing. God multiplies, listen to me tonight. If you get real close with God, you'll see your memory multiplying. You take this book, 
and you read this book, you remember things. The very first Bible I worked through, I can still remember every chapter, where the chapters are, where the verses are, where did I make notes, where this, that, and the other. It's just an amazing experience. And you say, Lord, you can do it for everybody who believes. But you've got to make a commitment. You're confronted by the cross, I tell you. What is this like? If you're sitting at university, you've got to study, you have that. You know, you're confronted by the cross. Now die to the world, to whatever this world has. You don't feel exactly like it's pulling you anymore. You know, I could live in a, in a, in a one-room bedroom with Maud. We did that when we trained in Singapore. We just lived in a single room in Singapore. We're going through a conference there, lasting for a full month. I could live in that room there called the, the, the Sea View Hotel in, in Singapore. And, and, and then we went to the church there, and there was a hall, and we were 120 ministers from all around the world and here in South Africa. And so we're sitting there, and they're teaching us. And I, I tell you what, more than I lived for a month in a, in a little room with a little kitchenette or whatever it is, just the room and just, just the one TV set with not much of a lot of Chinese and stuff, but one TV set, they actually speak English there. And we stand and sit on a little balcony. There are the two of us. We go walk on the beach in Singapore. There are two of us. Very happy in a single room. But we got Jesus. And the world opens to us. But we got Jesus. And we buried that old man there. And it's like Moses coming through with the whole nation through the waters. Moses comes out the other side. And he, they follow him. In 1 Corinthians chapter and number 10, you find this happening, where they, they were baptized into Moses. And then the Bible says, now don't you do the things that they did, because they did a couple of things and then mentions what they did. You find that their murmuring got them a lot into trouble. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 gives you a whole list of things, and that we should no longer do those things. But you come through that baptismal pool, you look behind you, I came through that pool, and from there, you couldn't stop me. I had one thing. God, to me, was reality forever, eternally. Number two, having the fear of the Lord, I would serve the Lord now forever. If necessary, as long as I'm alive on this earth, I've got to serve the Lord. If I stop serving the Lord, it's time to go home. But I've got to serve God. You know, when it comes to, it comes to the call of God, what a question about the call of God. What a question. There's not even a question. You need one thing. You need the Holy Spirit and get into the Word of God and read it. From there, I was asking around, you know, is there any prayer meetings around yet? Really? Really? This is the truth. Oh, there's one prayer meeting in the week in that AFM church on a Wednesday night. Bang, I was there. And I sat in that prayer meeting at first, before all this happened to me, I sat in the prayer meeting and I dived behind somebody because the pastor would say, oh Jacques, would you come and pray for us? Close the prayer meeting or pray for the state president or something. Jacques, would you do that? And I would just say, I'm not here tonight. And I'm like this, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Right, I'll pray for you. Next moment I was prophesying in that church. This is what God does to your life. He turns you upside down, gives you a new value system, kills that old past. You drop it off you. It's like, it's like, you know, things that you don't want no more in your life. You just drop it off you 
and is gone forever. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.